Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great. It's February. We're past 2020 and we're into a new year. So life is good. We're rocking and rolling here. This is good stuff. Yeah. And I know today's topic is near and dear to your heart because you work with a lot of business owners. Yeah. What I found, especially with COVID, a lot of people reevaluated what they were doing. A lot of people had to pivot real quickly. A lot of their business plans changed. And I'm just getting a lot more inquiries about what a business owner should be thinking when they're stepping back and looking at their business. So I came up with these 10 questions every business owner should ask. So I thought we'd kind of go through that today. All right. Sounds good. So you got 10 questions. Where do we start? What I would say is number one. That's usually where you want to go, right? So yeah. The first question that I have clients focus on is, how do you see your involvement in your business changing or evolving in the future? That seems pretty straightforward, but what I find is that a lot of business owners haven't thought about that. They're so focused on a daily basis in the business, serving their clients, serving their employees, that they very rarely step back. I was thinking today that, I don't know how old you are, Eric, but I went to college in the 80s and that song always popped into my head, you know, do I stay or do I go now? And I'm not going to sing it because uh, you would regret that, but <laughs> that's usually the question. A lot of people stay too long. A lot of people leave too quickly as a result of either they, by choice or disability, death, something like that. I try to get people to really think about when do you want to go and how involved do you want to be once you do leave? Because that's a really big question. You know, you have this next generation of leadership coming up. They're looking to put their stamp on things going forward. Kind of the developer, the oldest, the old school, maybe the founder. This often happens times in families where you have the dynamics of the family too. But it's just hard for people to really decide unless they really focus on it when they're going to go. This is my number one question because it really dictates everything. Got it. Yeah. So when you're talking about changing and involving, right, are you, are you talking about innovation or are we talking about size? I mean, what, what do you mean? I'm talking more about the role. Use a lot of, oftentimes a founder has their hands in everything. Uh, sometimes they've stepped back and they've hired or their family has come in and they've taken over sales or marketing or operations or IT. They've delegated. But more often than not, they've got their hands involved in everything. And the question is, do you want to do that? And how do you do that when you're going to be trying to exit? So it's really a role, a role focus. And, you know, what is everyone going to be doing? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. What's the second question? So the second question after that is, what are you going to do after? You know, what's your next great adventure? And, you know, I talked a little bit about this in episode 55, where we talked about pretending or preparing for the end of your career, you know, and putting together a, maybe a reverse bucket list. And I do try to help people do that. And the reverse bucket list is really just a reflection on looking back. What are some of the things I've done? What are the experiences I've had? What are the wow moments that I've had in my life? And oftentimes the reason why you do that is because it then reminds you or helps you focus on maybe some of the things you want to do going forward. Like I have clients who say, you know, I want to somehow serve the future, or, uh, serve the next generation, or 
I have a client who their main passion is kids, you know, so they want to get involved in Boys and Girls Club or the YMCA. I have one uh, client, one person I'm working with right now, super interesting. And in the 70s, he actually wrote a book. It talked about, you know, he was in his 30s, his history, how he grew up, where he grew up in Chicago and was entrepreneurial nature, sales. So now he's 80 and he's considering retiring, which is just wild. I'm talking to him about maybe you write that next chapter. You write that next book about that was when I was 30, but these are the things I learned after that. So, because he's very much into giving back to the next generation. Yeah. And then one other example I have is I actually, I was talking to my partner Blair yesterday. One of the things he's talked about when he does his, you know, the next big thing is he loves cooking. He loves giving back. So he's talked about getting involved in a food kitchen, doing something like that, either in Traverse City where he's at or St. Louis or wherever he ends up. You just have to start thinking about what that next great adventure will be so you don't just jump off the escalator and all of a sudden be asking those questions then. Yeah. I mean, I I can't imagine that gentleman writing a book. I mean, he's got 50 years between the first book and now, you know, there's a lot of information he could be sharing. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And back in the seventies, it was harder to write a book. Nowadays, you could really have ghostwriters help you. You could self-publish. It's just much easier. And Eric, we've talked about it. I just love thought leadership. I love leaving a legacy and leaving the documentation as to you know how this was all done. And I just think that's one of the most the best things you can do for the next generation. Yeah, what a gift. All right, number three. Number three. This is a big one. We, then we talk about, okay, what are some of the obstacles that might derail your personal goals, your exit plan, et cetera? I talked in one of my pre, one of the previous episodes about dealing with conflict in family business. That's a big one. The reason why I bring this up in the front, like the question number three is, I want to try and draw out in advance what some of the things are that could cause trouble. You know, the analogy I always like to use is the iceberg. We just see the tip of it. 90% of the iceberg is actually under the water, and and that's the part that can really put a hole in your boat. You know, we have a questionnaire and just a series of questions we go through with the owner, with the key people, the other people who are involved, just saying, Let's think about the worst thing that can happen. You know, that's kind of not fun to think about, but what are those things that could derail the process because we want to head them off in advance? That's why it's up top in the top three because I don't want to deal with it later once you've done all the planning and have things just blow up. Yeah, absolutely. All right, fourth question. The next, number four question is, you know, what role does your business need to play in helping you, the owner, achieve your financial freedom? I have found that a lot of, Closely held family business owners, a lot of the cash flow they get, a lot of the things they do comes right from the business. And their their thought process, I, I saw a survey that says that 90% of business owners are anticipating using the business somehow to provide for their retirement. So the question is, well, what do you need for retirement? So this is where we start talking about you know our wealth management process and we It's pretty elaborate. We actually had two episodes, I think it was 22 and 23 of our podcast where we talked about it because we really go through this elaborate discovery process to come up with, well, what is it that you actually need? So if your business is worth a million dollars or $2 million, but you need more than that, you know, to retire, then we need to do something. Or if your business is worth $10 million and you really only need, let's say, $5 million to maintain your standard of living, then we just need to know that. And once, once you kind of know what you want to do with the business, when you want to exit, what your next great adventure is, we want to talk about, well, what are you going to need? Because if we're going to help you exit, 
we want to make sure that you have what you need and you don't have seller's remorse, which is a really big issue with a lot of people who sell their business. Mm, I haven't really thought about that. Is it just because maybe they're they're not ready and they're not prepared for that next step, which was what, question two? Yeah. So if you think of, well, when I look at business owners and we did a, um, a podcast in the past where we talked about business valuations and one of the things the valuation experts will always look at up front is let's pull out all those personal expenses. You know, maybe some business trips you're taking that you're kind of merging with personal or your car or your, your vehicles are, are personal and business. Oftentimes a business owner will treat the business as their personal. There's, there's a too much integration there. Mm-hmm. They, they don't really have a good feel for, well, if I, le- if I left the company, if I sold it, if the next generation took over or an outside buyer bought it, I have to separate from the business and I want to make sure I know what I have. And I don't, I don't want to be surprised that all of a sudden I don't have enough and then I need to go back to work or something, which is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, question five. Question five. What is your plan for ownership interest in the business? And do you want to, pl- do you want to pass the ownership along or arrange for some sale? The, the issue there is really, I want to walk through and identify with the owner who they think they have right now who are available. So do you have somebody internal who not only is qualified, but has maybe the capacity or, or financial capital to do it? Do you have the family members? You know, some working with a, a plastics company and they've gone through a lot of transition where they had a key person who was outside the company, but he not a family member. That was really, I think that the thought process was he would be the person, but then for a number of reasons, it didn't work out. And then now family members have come in and other families are there. And if you don't really have a clear picture of who can actually take it over, you're kind of going to be held hostage to the business. You've identified what you need. You've identified that you want to transition out. Let's say you, you kind of identified what your next adventure is. But if you don't really know who the key people are in t- inside who can do it, you're kind of going to be held hostage. So then maybe the next step is, okay, if you don't have the right people, do we either spend the time to go get them or do we look at outside, maybe, you know, sell to a a third, third party. Hmm. So this would be the next step is really identifying who internally. And then also how, if we don't have it, how do we go out and find somebody? Yeah. Very important question. All right. We're at number six. The other number six is really, I guess it kind of goes back to number four, which we talked about, you know, what do you need is, well, if we know what you need, we really need to know what the true value of your business is. And we had um, two podcasts on this one, importance of knowing your value. You know, one of the things I talked about is the first step or this step here is really we're going in and having a formal valuation done. It could be done by a business broker, which is very simple and doesn't cost anything. We actually do them for clients with this uh, system we use called Biz Equity. It's a, it's a very good elaborate system if you're looking for a price range or a good feel for what your business is worth. Or in some instances, you might, might want to go the full route and, and have a certified valuation expert come in and give you the valuation. The benefit of the valuation is obviously then you know what your value is. But the second part is you also get a list of those value drivers. What are the five or six or 10 things that I need to focus on? So if I'm going to get out and exit in the next five years, what do I need to focus on in the next five years to make sure when I get out, I get the most possible? Knowing your value is the next step, and that's a key thing that people should be thinking about. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's a lot of the foundation of where you pivot and move from there. Because without knowing that value, I mean, you're, I mean, I can't imagine trying to take any steps if you don't know the value of your own business. Yeah, and, and really, if you look at surveys, 
about, you know, when they, when they survey business owners, literally 90% just don't know. They, they have great accountants, they have great attorneys, they have a great team, uh, but oftentimes they just don't. I, I had one about two weeks ago where I talked to a business owner and I said, have you done evaluation? And they said, well, why? They're like, I know it, I'm running the business, why do I need to know? The answer is because five, 10 years when you want to get out, you need to know what you can sell it for and you need to know what to focus on in the next five or 10 years. Business valuations are just critical and oftentimes business owners, it's something they don't think about because they're just focusing on the business every day. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I think we're at number seven. Once you kind of know who you're, you're, how you're going to be selling, you know what the value is, you know how you're going to transition or you have it in mind, you have kind of a plan formulated. The next is really, have you thought about the best leader when we talked about value drivers in a previous podcast, we also talked in another podcast about key, uh, what we call incentive plans. I mentioned a minute ago, if you have great key people, you need to keep them because they're either going to be buying from you or if you're selling to an outside third party, that third party is going to want to make sure you have those key people who can keep the business going and growing. The step there is saying, okay, who do we have and are they in the right seats? So if it's family members... I have maybe my son is in an operations, but maybe he should be the, in accounting or maybe he should be in sales. It's not just evaluating who you have, but it's evaluating are they in the right chair. And then if you don't have the right people or if the chairs are empty or you don't have the A-plus people in the chairs, you really need to try and go get them because if you're going to exit in five or seven or eight years, you need to build that team so that when you sell, you can get the maximum value. And then the other part is you want to make sure that that team you're building of those great people, that they're, they have the incentives built in so that they will also help you. Maybe even they might be the buyers even. You just want to make sure that you've thought about who the next leader, who's going to take your business to the next level, whether it's family, an outsider, or an internal person, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Number eight. The number eight is what do you, what do you think will happen to your customers, your vendors, your employees if something happens to you? And what I have found is when oftentimes people will go through the process, prepare the exit, they've checked all the boxes, they kind of know what they want to do, they know what they want to leave, they know what the value is, they know who's going to take over. But what they've, when it comes time to sign, oftentimes in, in the business owner is just super passionate, not just about what they've created, but they're very passionate about their key people and about their employees. And I have found that when people hesitate to sign the deal, when they or when they have buyer's remorse later, seller's remorse later, it's typically because either they're worried about how their employees will be treated, they're worried about what will happen to them, or maybe they have sold, and they're looking back and they're finding, okay, a lot of these key people are, haven't been treated properly, or they were let go. Or You can't have everything. You can't get the maximum price and also guarantee that you can control when you're gone, right? But at the same time, you just want to make sure that you have in your mind that you're making, you're, you understand what's going to happen to my employees if this happens, if I sell to an outside person, if I sell internal, if I sell to one of my family members, what happens to my vendors, what happens to my customers. In the example I gave before earlier about the, the manufacturing company, one of the issues was when they, they had this internal person who was going to be the next, the successor, the buyer, they kind of talked to their vendors and the vendors were not happy. I mean, they just, they, they didn't like working with the person. And that was one of the reasons why it didn't work out. So they were starting to lose some of their key vendors and their key suppliers. 
So it's it's really important, I guess. I'm just saying that you need to think about what happens to everybody as I exit or if something happens to me. And that's number eight. Yeah. I, I Ever since I started working with you, Tim, I've, I've always thought about companies I've worked for in the past. And one of them was a smaller company, maybe 20 employees total. And it was pretty close knit. Uh, and it was a husband and wife that were running the show, kind of two different departments, but they had a few kids involved as well. And mm-hmm. I've always kind of thought about what happened to that business because by, by now the the owner's probably passed by now because he was quite old earlier. But I wonder about the kids. You know, did they take it over? Was it successful? The kids had definitely different attitudes than dad and mom. <laughs> so right. kind of thinking of those things and lots of vendors involved because it was a shipping company. And but yeah, I mean that's that's so important. And I can I can imagine if you're in a close knit situation like that, that's that is like a family. And so that would be very difficult to see things not go well. And so if you're fearful of that, that may make you hesitate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in many cases, the founder or the patriarch or the, the run, the guy running the person, the man or woman running the company, they've worked with some of these key people for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So they definitely are invested and they, they realize and totally understand that and appreciate that they wouldn't be where they're at without some of their key people. And so it is a big worry. And I always want to make sure that people think about that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number nine. When I'm talking to a business owner, I also want to get a feel for what other advice they've been getting from some of their other advisors. So for example, I worked with a client last year. They were super, super focused on an ESOP, an employee stock ownership plan is the exit. I like ESOPs. Uh, you know, That's usually one of the things we consider that we look at for all of our clients, but it just doesn't work for everybody. And it really has to be a very specific instance. I didn't feel like this really was a fit. I just kind of gathered the information to identify why or what they're thinking, et cetera. And, and I think there was kind of a conflict where the person presenting the ESOP was an ESOP salesperson, not, which isn't inherently bad. It, it wasn't a good fit. I always like to find out those are some of the things, you know, that you want to identify when I talked about back in number three, looking what obstacles could derail the business. Sometimes it's this attorney that was where I was working with since I was in high school or college or et cetera. And then the other part too is, and I've talked about this in a couple podcasts, I have a team Tim. So I have advisors who I collaborate with, a CPA attorney. I know that they're advocates for me. Then we also have team Hightower, Hightower Great Lakes. They're not all the same. A lot of times the attorney, the CPA, the everyone involved they're inherently advocating for the company and not necessarily advocating for the owner. Oftentimes they can, so it's not per se that you have to do one or the other, but I always just want to get a feel for what advice you're getting, who are you talking to, who are you working with, and are they advocates for you? Are they advocates for the next generation, for this buyer or the seller? And I just want to make sure that that they're advocates for the individual. So that's part of that is really just who you're talking to, what are they saying, and how can I collaborate with them? Yeah. Yeah. And we've spoken about that on many podcasts. You do a ton of that behind the scenes to be able to work with the team that they've got in place. It's not that you, and you've said this before, you, you don't want to replace anybody necessarily, but right. just being able to have an outside set of eyes evaluate something is so crucial because there's there's no relationship involved. I mean, as far as, you know, like you said, somebody has been working with an attorney for 20 years. I've known him since college and, you know, he's a buddy. 
Well, it doesn't mean your buddy is shady, but they right. may not understand the complexity of everything that you need to be accomplishing. And so getting an outside perspective, I think, is incredibly important. And you've, you've said that many times. Yes, it's just critical because, um, again, you're just trying to make sure that they're getting best fiduciary-based impartial advice, objective, you know. Absolutely. Well, I feel like I need a drum roll, but I don't have any <laughs> drum roll sound number effects. 10. But, yeah, <laughs> number 10. Don't you have that echo? Yeah. And so, oh, here we go. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. Number 10. <laughs> there you go. See, I like that. <laughs> so number 10 is, it's so important. It's very similar going back to number three. What do you, you know, what do you see as the greatest challenge when you think about planning for the futures? The reason why I have this at 10 and I've already kind of tried to address it at three is because this whole process, these 10 questions, sometimes may take two years, sometimes longer, sometimes faster. But what happens is when I'm asking it as three towards the beginning, I'm getting some information. But once I've gone through the whole process, the client uh, is much more comfortable and they've thought about a lot more things. I think we just don't know what we know. We oftentimes don't know what we're really thinking until we start really diving into it. Like one of the, the, the things I, t I talk to my kids about is you have a plan, you need just to point to something. It doesn't have to be specific. It could be general because if you point in that direction and you start moving towards that, let's say it's exit planning, you're going to find and you're going to deviate and you're going to go this, take a right and take a left. You're going to change the plan. But the point is you, you're, you have to focus on something. So now we've gone through these nine steps. It might be one year, two years later, they're going to think about additional problems and objections and, and situations that might present themselves. It's so important that I have it in there twice, <laughs> once towards the beginning and then once towards the end, because I think people are, once they've gone through this process, they've thought about more things, more objections that could happen. We just don't know what we don't know, right? So somebody asking those questions that draw out some thoughts and, oh, man, I didn't think about that before. Again, it's it's just one of those things that if we don't know what questions to ask ourselves, then there's no way we're going to come to the correct answer. Yeah, exactly. And we don't. I mean, I do this for a living and I put things pop up all the time. And I think, man, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah. That's just the nature of it. There's too much to know. Yep, Absolutely. All right. Any final thoughts for today's podcast? This is great. I mean, 10 questions that need to be asked. I think you covered it very, very well. But are there any closing thoughts? Just that when we focus and work with clients, we're focusing on wealth transfer, making sure that the assets eventually go to wherever they want them to go efficiently. And wealth enhancement, this is really, a this these 10 questions focus on both of those. We're trying to enhance the value of the, the business so that they can provide for the family, they can provide for the next buyer, they can provide for the next generation. It's really important that business owners think about these 10 questions, and we'd love to help anyone, any business owner, and you know, thinking about exiting in the next 10 years, literally, helping them walk through this process. All right, how do they reach out to you? They can send me a quick email at tscannell at hightoweradvisors.com, or they can also always call me at 219 246 5370, or just check out our website at Hightower Great Lakes. There's a lot of resources, videos, podcasts, white papers, things like that. You've got a ton of information on there. Thank you so much, Tim, for your time today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, Eric. Always, always do. Always a pleasure, my man. And of course, the last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Wall Street Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. 
Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 